Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hello, my name is Rochelle Lucero. I am the host of the podcast Clumsy Theosis, which you are listening to right now. If you're new, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Before we get into today's topic, though, I do want to take a moment to send a big thank you to Hannah and to David, both of whom have, out of the generosity of their own hearts, donated to Clumsy Theosis. All of you listeners out there, if Clumsy Theosis has helped you in any way, please consider donating to the ministry. All you have to do is visit clumsytheosis.net and click the donate button in the menu. Or you can go on our Instagram account at clumsytheosis and click the link in the bio. The show is not possible without your support, so know that your donations are going back into the podcast and to the ministry of Clumsy Theosis. I'm not running off on some exotic vacation or anything like that. I'm using all of the donations to give back to you and to this community so that we can expand the kingdom of heaven. All right, so today's episode comes on the heels of our last episode, obviously, which was on making your work a prayer. And you do this by staying true to the spiritual themes of the liturgical hours of the day. In that episode, there was a time of the day, if you recall, where the spiritual theme is fervor and commitment to fight off the weariness that sets in during that time of the day. Last Saturday was National Beer Day. So my husband and I stopped in for a pint at this cute traditional little pub. And while we were there, we were talking about all of the great positive feedback that we got from the last episode. And we ended up talking about, you know, the content and wondering like what was really drawing everyone to that piece. You know, we were talking about different things that each of us liked. And we ended up spending a good amount of time talking about the noon hour the midday. And we're talking about the meaning of the phrase noonday devil and how St. Benedict totally understood the noonday devil and like how important it was to pray against it. Now the noonday devil is extremely harmful to our souls and to our salvation. It's a weariness that seems to settle in at midday and it kind of gives us this whatever, I don't care enough to care attitude about a lot of things in life, but particularly the spiritual life. And the noonday devil, it's legit. And it's its even older than the monastic times because we find it in the Psalms. So King David was writing about the noonday devil in Psalm 91. And I wanna read just two verses to you, but just a little bit of context about Psalm 91. It's about the security that a person has when they trust in the Lord. So in verses five and six, we read, you will not be afraid of the terror by night, or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destitution that lays waste at noon. See, King David is talking about the destitution that lays waste at noon. That is what we're calling the noonday devil. And this noonday devil that we see in Psalm 91 is theologically referred to as the sin of acedia. Now, some people pronounce that differently, but we're going with acedia. Acedia is one of the seven deadly sins, and they're called deadly because they kill the life of the soul. You might be scratching your head and racking your brain right now because acedia doesn't sound familiar to you. And if that's you, don't worry about it. 
you're not alone because most people know acedia by another name and that name is sloth. So they're the same thing. Now acedia could very well be the most dangerous of the seven deadly sins at least according to the monks or the fathers of the desert during the early days of Christianity. That's what they thought. They thought that acedia was the most dangerous of the deadly sins. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? We're about to go over some examples and dig into why these monks have called this the most dangerous sin, as well as we're going to look at some remedies to help protect ourselves from letting this sin kill our souls. If this Sounds like something that will interest a friend, a colleague, an acquaintance, someone on your softball team. If it sounds like it will interest someone that you know, take a minute right now and text them the details of this show and where they can find this episode. So why do I think that it's interesting that the monks and fathers of the desert referred to acedia as the most dangerous of the sins. Here's why. When I think of acedia or sloth, the first thing that comes to mind is being a couch potato. And I think that really can't be that dangerous of a sin, just lounging around. Well, it's not. So let me clarify. And the reason it's not is because being lazy and physically inactive is, like I said, typically what comes to mind when we think of the sin of sloth. But that's not the correct understanding. That's not acedia. And that's why I prefer the word acedia because acedia really gets to the root of this sin and and um, the theological explanation of what it is and what it can do to you. Because acedia, it's a spiritual apathy, as in a lack of interest or enthusiasm or concern of anything that is spiritual or heavenly. The translation of acedia, it means without care. The point of the spiritual life is to grow in relationship to God so that we can become like him and in doing so become who we have been created to be. So here are three examples of ways in which people suffer with acedia. A person who a, doesn't care to work on the interior life, but they might still want to be like a good Catholic or a good Christian. So they're doing these religious things that look holy from the outside, but the interior life is something that they don't touch, they don't really care to touch. See, they may be suffering from acedia. And in this case, the acedia rears its head as a weariness, an inattentiveness, that is going to stifle all of their spiritual striving, right? Because they're not trying to do anything spiritual. They're just doing these outward actions. Or B, a person who doesn't even bother to ask themselves questions like, does the spiritual life matter? Is this something that I should even consider or concern myself with? This person also may be suffering from acedia. Now, in this instance, acedia is more of an indifference to the things of heaven. It's like a boredom. They're bored with anything that's considered spiritual. Or person C. Person C is a workaholic. And a workaholic works more than necessary. And they may also be involved in too many ministries or too many activities. Again, this type of person may suffer from acedia. See, when a person becomes so engrossed with work and a list of earthly duties, they seldom have time for their most important duty, which is their duty to God. And I'm pretty sure that as I was going over these examples, you could think of someone who fell probably in every category. And you might have even thought of yourself from time to time. I know I did. 
because there are times when I experience these things. Now, maybe these people that you've thought of are not the people that you want to share this episode with. I'm just saying it might come off a little passive aggressive, but that's up to you. Maybe do share it. Um, Hopefully not with the aim to be passive aggressive, but in any case, keep those people in your prayers. The reason I gave these three examples is because I think that they're the most common. But let's not fool ourselves. Acedia can be found whenever we find ourselves bored with the spiritual life. And it's no wonder that acedia is considered the sin of our times. As a society, we're bored with everything all the time. So what would make that any different when it is applied to our spiritual life? But I'm not going to get all melancholic and talk about all that. We're going to talk about solutions here today. We're all about solutions, right? Here on Clumsy Theosis. Okay, so the solution to acedia, also known as sloth, the solution to this deadly sin is actually found in the lively virtues. There are seven deadly sins and there are also seven lively virtues. And each of the deadly sins has its counter or its remedy in the lively virtues. You get that? Deadly sins, lively virtues. I don't know. I think that's kind of cute. All right. So let's take a moment really quickly to establish the seven lively virtues. There are three theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Four cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, temperance, courage, and justice. These are not the lively virtues. I repeat, these are not the lively virtues because that's not confusing, right? The seven lively virtues, they came about in the third century in an epic poem by a Christian poet, which was about a battle of the soul. And then we also see these lively virtues again in the work of Dante. So let's go through them really quickly by pairing them together. We're going to pair the deadly sins and the lively virtues together. So if you want to take notes, this could be your time to do that. Or you can just follow me on Instagram at Clumsy Theosis and I'll be posting a cool little cheat sheet graphic um, that I've concocted for you all. Or take notes if you want to. In addition, up to you. For the capital sin of pride, the opposite corresponding virtue is humility. For avarice, or sometimes called greed, it's going to be generosity. For lust, the remedy is chastity for anger, meekness, for gluttony, temperance, for envy, brotherly love, and for the vice of sloth or acedia, there is the virtue of diligence. And at the end of our list is where we find what we're looking for, the virtue that will help us to fight off that noonday devil of acedia or sloth is diligence. But what the heck is that? Seriously, when I hear diligence, I think doing duties, being busy, getting things done. But it's a bit more complicated than that. Diligence is being full of care and persistence in the work or the effort that we are doing. But either way, I think our modern understanding of diligence just makes this virtue sound a little lame. Yeah, I said it. You can disagree if you want, but I think once you hear my reason, you will not disagree. Here's why I think it sounds a little lame. It's because I think that zeal does a better job of capturing the spirit that is meant by the virtue of diligence. Zeal isn't about getting our duties done. It's about an interior passion, a passion that propels and moves us forward. When someone is zealous, they have an energy and a purpose. 
they are moving towards their purpose with some sort of a vigor. Now, the question becomes, what purpose are they moving towards? Now, in the case of the Christian, in the case of the interior life, we are moving towards the mission. All of us have been given a unique mission. If you've been baptized, you've been given a mission because you have encountered God. When you encounter God, always you're given a mission. Now, don't freak out if you're thinking, what mission? No one told me about a mission. God hasn't mentioned a mission. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. We're going to help you out with that. So the root word of mission in Latin is the meaning is to send. Every time someone has an encounter with God, they're sent out on some sort of a mission. So let's think about that. We can look back at the scriptures and recall all of the figures that encountered God, be it Abraham, Moses, David, any of the minor prophets, even you know the apostles and the Virgin Mary herself. Whenever they encounter God, whenever they hear from him, they move. They go out on their mission because they were sent. And they weren't given detailed instructions up front either. That's something I do really want to stress here, right? The Lord filled them in when he needed to fill them in on different parts of their quote unquote lifelong mission. Now your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to become who God created you to be. The only way to discern how that is supposed to play out in your life is to zealously seek out understanding to the big questions. You have this zealous desire that propels you forward to ask the Lord questions such as, God, who are you? Who am I? And how am I supposed to live out my purpose today? Also, some great practical advice for discerning your mission is to ask yourself, what makes me feel alive? For me, it's public speaking and teaching. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Right now, it's obviously with podcasting and speaking at churches and um, different retreats. What would I like it to look like in the future? Well, I'd like to be a Steubenville speaker, but only God knows if that's what's going to happen. See, I'm going to find out the form my mission will take at different seasons of my life when I get there, when I get to those seasons, okay? Also, I heard Bishop Barron say once, and I think that he got this from Dorothy Day. And so Dorothy Day said that everything that a Christian does should be connected to the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And those, remember, are, you know, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, um, visiting the sick and the imprisoned, burying the dead, counseling the doubtful, uh, admonishing sinners, um, instructing the ignorant. I feel like I'm forgetting some here. But you get the point. A very simple way to find out our mission is to look these up. Make sure we understand what the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy are. And then we try to find a common thread between those, the ones that appeal to us, and that thing that makes us feel alive. And then once we found that common thread, then we go out and we do that. You know, that is a good indicator that that is your mission. Obviously, you want to spend some time in prayer, but I think it's a a simple way to approach the question of what is my mission if you don't already know what it is. All right, now we have discussed one of the seven deadly sins, all of which are deadly, so how can you really say one's worse than the other? However, uh, I do think that the monks and, and fathers of the desert of of old, of early Christianity, were definitely onto something when they said that it was the most dangerous because really your life as a Christian and as a Catholic is about encounter with God. 
And when you encounter God, what do you do? You move because he has sent you somewhere. And when we get serious about finding our mission and being actively attentive and striving towards towards fulfilling our mission, then I think we'll have a handle on one of these seven deadly sins known as acedia. And if you think that this episode could benefit anyone that you know or could be interesting to anyone else that you know, please go ahead and text them right now or share this on your social media. Get people to listen, get people to tune in so that they too can be transformed by the Lord and then transform the world. Before we sign off for today, I do want to know if you are subscribed to the Clumsy Theosis podcast. If you're not, make sure that you do so that you can get the notifications when new episodes come out. Right now, we are on a bi-weekly schedule. So that means every two weeks, I'm dropping a new hit for you guys to share with your friends and with your family. And you can subscribe to Clumsy Theosis where all good podcasts are found. And however you're listening right now, go ahead and look for the subscribe button and hit it. Okay, so if you want to also keep up with me and the new things that are going down at Clumsy Theosis, and this weekend, for instance, I'm going to be tackling my website upgrade, making it a little bit more awesome, if that's possible. No, that's definitely possible. That's why we're upgrading. Anyways, but I have a whole lot more in store and everything else that I'm working on for the ministry, and I love to share it with you. So follow me. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Clumsy Theosis. I'd love to see you there. And please reach out to me. I always respond. And I love to hear what you guys have to say and uh, where you're at in your spiritual life. Until then, until then, when? What did I say? I didn't even give you a time frame. In two weeks from now, you will get another episode. And until then, peace out, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.